Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, November 4th, 2021. I am Graham Giusin Matthews, being joined as always by the one, the only, the illustrious, and a man that was at Monday Night Raw this past week. We're getting a second on-site report two weeks in a row here on WrestleRant Radio, this time from only this man, Mr. Marceau. RJ, how you doing, brother? Doing well, Giusin. How are you? Doing great. Joining us on the road. I appreciate you making the time here today. And you were talking maybe Friday, either, regardless of what day we were speaking here today. We had to speak. We couldn't not do a show this week because I had to get your two cents on being on Raw or being at Raw rather in person on Monday in Providence, which was a very good show on paper. So you actually got lucky on Monday. I know. I thought it was a good show. I mean, you text me right away. Enjoy that shitty show, but I mean, <laughs> I did. it actually was a good time. I mean, I I haven't been to Raw since we went to. What was that, 2017, 2018 in, in Boston? Um, Your memory's better than mine. Did, so. you, did you say you haven't been to a Raw since then? Yeah. Well, how can you forget the last round of 2019? The oh, wedding. yeah, I forgot about the big wedding. <laughs> I forgot. I got to get my tux. I forgot about that. But, yeah, besides, so it was the first time I went to Raw since that time. Um, I mean, the Dunkin' Donuts Center is, like, one of the greatest arenas around. Like. Mm-hmm. We got like the highest tickets, and you literally had a perfect view. So, oh, wow. um, I felt like the crowd was into everything. They did like between every break, they did like a camera thing, kind of keep like they did like a dance camera, and then like a beard camera, and then like a dance one, a John Cena one. So, like they kind of like in between breaks. So during commercials and stuff like that, or like when they were just kind of not doing anything, they kind of pulled those out, and I feel like that definitely helped the crowd a lot. Especially, I just feel it wasn't like a, a rabid crowd, but I feel like the crowd was into the show the entire time. I think those little kind of gadgets or things definitely helped with that. And I thought the show overall was a good show as well. So that definitely goes a long way as well. Besides the tag team match where people just cheered for RK Bro, everyone else, every other match basically people were into. Yeah, at least I think from my perspective, watching the show on TV on Monday, it sounded like you guys were live and, you know, allowed and awake for all the stuff that needed to be, you know, you needed to be enthusiastic about and everything else was just kind of there, uh, which you're bound to get on a three-hour show. And usually Raw has a lot more of that type of filler that we talk about every single week here on the show, Um, but not so much. So we'll get into it here in a second. New episodes of the show every single Thursday here of WrestleRant Radio, WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show uh, for new episodes every single Thursday. So we're talking raw here today. We're going to get into that immediately since you were there on Monday. I'm going to get your quick thoughts on NXT from Tuesday as well. Um, Not an overly eventful episode, but we will get into the fallout from Halloween Havoc from the week prior. And then getting a dynamite from last night as we head into the full gear pay-per-view next week, which we will have full predictions for uh, next week here on the show uh, on, on next Thursday. And then the week after that, we're going to have a review of full gear. 
and a full preview and prediction for the grand Thanksgiving episode that we do here every Thursday, um, every Thanksgiving Thursday every year, for Survivor Series, a show that I don't even know if we're having yet. We talked about this before and we're live here, dude. I texted this the other day. I tweeted this. Are they even having a Survivor Series pay-per-view? I don't think there was a single mention of Survivor Series on Monday's Raw this week. There wasn't. Uh, I totally forgot about the pay-per-view until you had mentioned it. I saw you post it on Twitter, but yeah, they didn't mention it at all. I mean... I don't know. They didn't even like, like, it's not even like they were like, oh, Survivor Series in two weeks or three weeks at Barclay Center. They kind of just gloss right over it. So uh, I don't know if they don't think it needs a build or, or what, but it was kind of weird. I mean, I think I think the brand stuff sometimes does hurt the show, so maybe they wanted to kind of draw it out longer than it is. Like, oh, SmackDown's here to attack Raw. It's kind of just mad at this point, so. Maybe they're just waiting it out, but yeah, there was no mention to it at all. Yeah, I was waiting because, you know, the only advertised match <clears throat> that we had going into Monday's Raw was the Raw Women's Championship match between Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair, which we'll get into right away. That was the only advertised match. So I'm thinking that they're going to put it in the main event. It's going to be the crown jewel of the show. And it was. It was the best thing on the entire show, I thought. But they did it on the first match. And it wasn't like the rest of the show was terrible. That's kind of what I was anticipating in that, okay, they would put their, you know, best match on first. The rest of the show just might drag because they don't have any set main event, which they ended up, you know, coming up with in Big E versus Kevin Owens for the first time ever one on one. But I'm thinking maybe they're doing this now, only for Charlotte to interfere or Sasha Banks to interfere, which wouldn't really mean anything to be honest, because we just saw these women on Raw two weeks ago, right before Crown Jewel. So I really hope we're not getting that dumb, um, you know, invasion that you mentioned, and it's been cool in years past, like the under siege, Raw was under siege a couple of years ago, that was like four years ago, they did it five years ago, the Becky Lynch invasion right before Survivor Series where her nose got bloodied up, <clears throat> that would have been three years ago, that was a great angle, uh, we haven't really had anything that's matched that since then, I mean, actually the NXT stuff was great, <clears throat> but last year's build was kind of like, whatever, and that was also during the Thunderdome era, so, um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like we've gotten to a point where we've seen everything with the brand supremacy stuff. And it's not even like they're moving away from that. I was thinking that at one point, you know, someone mentioned that to me. Oh, what if they're moving away from Raw versus SmackDown? They're absolutely not. If you look at the advertising for the show, which we saw none of during Raw this week, but if you look online, watch the commercials during some of these shows, you'll see that they are advertising a Raw versus SmackDown theme for the show. And it would make sense. You know, Roman Reigns and Big E have some history in recent months. I'm looking forward to that. You know, as we talked about before we went live here, it seems like even if the champion versus champion matches, there's really not a lot you could do to build to those. At least the elimination matches, where they usually have qualifiers or determine who's on what team. I fucking hate the, oh, can they coexist before the pay-per-view? I have always hated that shit. They've been doing that for five years now. I don't need to see that stuff, but at the very least, determine who's on each team, unless they're just not doing that at all. So, I mean, obviously, the worst part about it all is that there's no stakes for any of these matches. We've discussed that ad nauseum over the years, but it is weird that we've gotten literally no build, not even minimal, no build for Survivor Series in the last couple of weeks. And as I just mentioned to you before we went live here, we got three SmackDowns, including tomorrow night, and then two Raws left, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of time. So maybe Monday's Raw will be focused on the qualifiers, but... Again, with nothing advertised as we speak right now, it is a little suspect, so we'll see in the weeks to come. Um, but overall, I didn't think Raw was a great show. Let's get right into the opener, as they mentioned. Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Raw Women's Championship. Didn't expect it to open the show. Didn't expect it to end the way that it did. And obviously, it wasn't a completely clean finish. But I'm thinking when the match starts off the show, it's going to have a DQ. It's going to have a no fucking contest. It's going to build to something in the main event. Because this show is so formulaic. But it actually didn't do that at all. They got a lot of time. It was a great match. 
I don't know if I would go. To, I don't know if I would go so far as to say as what the other people were saying, like the commentators and stuff, that it was one of the greatest Raw matches of all time. And being in the building, maybe you can attest to that if it was or wasn't. Um, but it was a great match, and I don't know. I just thoroughly enjoyed this. And Becky cheating to win it makes sense with her heel persona when she's like, "Oh, people don't appreciate me" and stuff like that, and she's still playing up the heel tropes in her promos. They don't exactly ring true because the people aren't booing her. So I want to ask you, Mr. Marceau, as someone who was there, before we even get into the match itself, can you talk about the reaction to Becky Lynch when she came out? Uh, I would say she probably got more cheers than Bianca did, honestly. Really? Okay. So it wasn't not, 50-50. It was pretty close to, if not pretty close to 50-50 okay. both ways. Interesting. I mean, it, it seems to be the common theme throughout these shows. At least Bianca's not being booed, as I've said before. I mean, that's, you know, positive, but... She plays the character very well. It's not like she's not a good heel. It's just that the the fan hatred or whatever you want to call it, just not support because it's the opposite. It's just not there. So I thought that was weird. But talk about the match, the fan reaction to it, because this got a lot of time. I thought it was a great match. This was the match that we should have gotten at. You know, I enjoyed the Extreme Rules match, the match at Extreme Rules, but that had a shitty finish, so no one will really remember the match itself. But um, I thought this was definitely the match I was waiting for from these two women. They kept the pa- they they kept the pace consistent throughout. Uh, Becky cheating the win to protect Bianca and defeat, which I, we'll talk about what's next for Bianca in a moment. But your thoughts on the match itself between uh, Becky and Bianca on Monday's Raw? I thought it was a great way to start the show off. More no, normally on Raw, we get the the interview segment that takes like twenty minutes that just no one cares about. But I thought this was a great way to start the show definitely helped with the crowd being ready for the show and they just kicked it off strong uh great match like i said i thought the crowd was pretty 50 50 and they're doing the let's go bianca let's go becky chance so like i mean it was pretty back and forth the whole match um becky cheating i mean she had kind of like earlier in the match looked like she was going to take the turnbuckle off and then in the, at the end of the match she turned the turnbuckle off hit her and then rolled her up so i i mean i thought she should have won she did win I, like you said, I'm not really sure what you do with Bianca from here, but I feel like the issue with Becky is like she is still popular just from how over she was before she left, so I still think the heel turn was kind of a dumb idea because people are still going to cheer for her regardless. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and I don't know if it's going to change either because she's been doing the heel thing for almost three months now, and it really hasn't changed, and she's gotten booed in more cities than others. It's not a complete face reaction, a complete baby face reaction, but she's still getting cheered pretty heavily in a lot of these cities, and not in like a oh, you're a cool heel type of way, but like we still really want to cheer you type of way. Um, so I don't know if that'll change. I think it's been long enough to where it's, I don't think it's going to. Um, but anyway, I've enjoyed the feud. Is this it for the feud though? Do we get back to Bianca beating Becky for the belt, which should have been the end game from the beginning? Or do they do it at WrestleMania is my question. I mean, I feel like they kind of have to, but knowing WWE, will they actually is the question? Probably not. Um, they did tease Becky and Liv later on in the show. I mean, I'm perfectly fine with that as an interim feud. I think Liv deserves an opportunity. But the problem with this company, this not only goes for the women, but the entire company, Raw, SmackDown, whatever, they tend to give people title opportunities after they've done a lot of losing. I can't remember, I mean, I guess Extreme Rules, but that might have been the last match Liv Morgan won on TV. And that was over a month and a half ago. So why is she getting a shot or being teased for a shot at the Raw Women's Championship is my question. It probably should be Carmella or Zelina because they've been doing a lot more winning lately on TV, which I don't really want to say, but it would make more sense. So, yeah, I don't know. This whole thing is weird with uh, Bianca and Becky. Is this the end of the feud, or do you see them going back to Bianca, beating Becky at some point down the road for the belt? I feel like Be- Bianca should be the one to beat Becky. I feel like the story's kind of there. They like She got cheated out of the win, and Becky kind of was the better woman those nights. I feel like you could wait till WrestleMania and have Be- Bianca finally beat Becky. Um 
I mean, I don't think they're going to continue it now. So if they're going to do it, I think that would be the right point. But I don't know if they're going to continue it. But if, if they would, if they're going to continue it, I, I would have her beat at WrestleMania. Anything can change in two months, but would you have her win the Women's Rumble or have it be some other way? Because um, she's won it last year, so that's why I said I don't know if we, we would do that. No, nah, I wouldn't do it back to back. Yeah, I don't know if that would. I feel like it would be a good story, and it's happened before. I mean, Hogan did it. Fucking, you know, Steve Austin has done it, among other people. Um, I just, I feel like it's a different time, though, than it was 20, 30 years ago to where if someone were to win it two years in a row, they would probably get booed because people like new things. They like change. They want the new person to get the shot or the, the Rumble winner or whatever. So I don't know if I see that happening, but it is a possibility. So I thought it was a great match, though. Surprisingly, Austin Theory and Rey Mysterio, dude, got a lot of time, a lot more time than I was expecting, considering that Austin Theory versus Dominic last week went all of like two minutes. Um, this was a much more competitive match. I thought it was a very good match. And it had a non-finish, but I thought it was well done in that it's not like Theory got himself DQ'd. He actually won by DQ because while Ray was going for the 619, uh, Dominic slapped Austin, and I guess the referee I guess the referee saw it. I, I mean, I, maybe he didn't and he heard it. That was weird, but... You know, still, he disqualified Ray for Dominic's interference, and Austin Theory won by DQ. So I thought this was well done, and I thought it was a good match, and it also continues a lot of things. It continues the tension between the Mysterios and also keeps Austin Theory's momentum alive. Yeah, I thought this was a good match. I, like you said, did get a lot of time. It definitely went through a commercial. From from watching it at the show, I felt like it went through a commercial break, so that's good to give it um, some more time. Uh, I thought it was good. Like you said, back and forth, good for Austin Theory to get a good match for Rey Mysterio. Rey looked good as well. The finish was kind of screwy. Like, Dominic get, definitely hit him, but the referee was turning around watching Rey hit the ropes on the other side. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way he could have seen it. So I think they might, might have messed that up a little bit. Maybe the referee was supposed to turn and see Dominic do it because he literally hit him with the 609, hit him with the splash, all of a sudden the referee rang the bell. Like, I, I don't know. Like, he must have clearly missed it because it seemed kind of out of nowhere and the people were billing. But like you said, it keeps theory strong and keeps the tension between the stereos going. Yeah, so, I mean, we've talked about this before, but not too much because we really talk about we more so focus on Raw than we do SmackDown, but do you see this leading to a heel turn for Dominic, or what's the end game of this angle, do you think? Um, probably. I mean, I don't really care about... I mean, I like Ray. I love Ray. I mean, Dominic is just kind of there. I guess you could do it, but, I mean, if you're going to do it, I'd just do it at WrestleMania, so I'd just hold off on it a little bit longer. You're not going to turn him now. Maybe they get back on the same page and go after the Raw Tag Team titles, and then they do the split from there, like uh, you know, like the like the Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero feud from many years ago. So maybe they could do something along those lines, uh, but we'll see. So after that, we had Big E confronting Seth Rollins out in the middle of the ring, uh, kind of following up on Seth's big number one contenders win at the end of Raw last week, uh, before Kevin Owens was brought out. And he said, you know, he may have fallen short in the ladder match last week, but he and Big E have never gone one-on-one before, so he doesn't want a title opportunity, but he did want to face Big E in the night's main event, which he ended up getting. Um, so a good segment here. Anything really stand out to you? About, I mean, we'll get to the match later, but anything about the segment, crowd-wise, being there-wise, that really stood out to you about the segment, or was it kind of just standard stuff? It was standard stuff. I feel like Rollins was more over than I expected he would be. Um, As a babyface, you mean? Yeah, I mean, not even a babyface, but people were cheering for him. I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, Owens, I honestly forgot was on Raw. I mean, you can't <laughs> shoot me, but I mean, I totally forgot he was on Raw. Like, I thought he had a, I thought his promo was amazing. I thought he had a good, heartfelt, felt very genuine, realistic promo. It just, I mean, they clearly just don't see him at that level. And I mean, he hinted at his contract being up, and 
I wouldn't be surprised once it's up here. You go through all it. Yeah, I was going to say I alluded to the fact that there really wasn't anything out of the ordinary about the segment, but you mentioned it right there, and I completely forgot about it. Two references, actually. I think Big E made a mention of, because Owens was like, oh, this person's the face of Raw, this person's the face of Raw, and Big E made the note that there can't be that many faces of Raw. There's you know, there's no Mount Rushmore of Monday Night Raw, which is obviously, it had to have been intentional. The whole uh, you know, Mount Rushmore of uh, Owens, Cole, the Bucks, and whatever. And then the more on-the-nose reference that Owens had mentioned, he's done a lot of losing lately, but whether he's here for another three years or another three months, he will continue to fight no matter what on Monday Night Raw. And from the time that he cut that promo, it was literally exactly three months from when his contract was set to expire. I think it's set to expire on January 31st. So November 1st to February 1st. By February 1st, if he doesn't resign, then he's he's outski from WWE. Has your mind changed on the Owen situation at all? Do you think do you still think he's AEW bound or on his way out of WWE at the very least? I do. I mean, I think if he was treated as more of a main event star, he wouldn't have left, but his last few years have been pretty abysmal, so I, I, I don't know why he would stay. I mean, I think he'd go to AEW, probably make comparable money, be with his friends, probably be in something that's way more important. It's just, it's what it is. Slighter schedule. Yeah, no, I think it's it's a pretty done deal at this point that he's probably on his way. We'll get back to Owens at the end of the uh, at the end of this review because he was obviously in the main event later on in the night against uh, Biggie one on one. We had the revival, uh, not the tag team, but rather the revival of the women's tag team division. We haven't seen Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash in tag team action in quite a while. They were back in action in Monday's Raw in a championship contenders match, uh, not defending the titles, but if they were to lose, the opposing team would get a title shot, which. Um, they did end up winning. Queen Zelina and Carmella beating Nikki Ash and Rhea Ripley. Uh, the match was fine, but it's like, I don't know, dude. I mean, this tag team division, uh, we've mentioned it before, is completely dead in the water. Um, Zelina's got a lot of wins under her belt. All right, yeah, she's probably won more matches now than she has at any other point in her entire career. I'm not even kidding. Like, she's been winning a lot lately. So at least they're keeping her strong. Carmella won again, but... It's not exactly a team that entices me. I don't really give a fuck about it. This whole tag team thing in general just doesn't do a lot for me. Um, this felt like, I mean, it was a well-wrestled match. It was fine for what it was, but it also felt like it was just kind of there, and Rhea Ripley continues to feel, despite being a champion right now, completely underutilized in this company. Yeah, I thought the match was fine for what it was. Um, the crowd probably was a lot, like quietest during this match. Just there wasn't really a reason to be excited. I mean... Seeing Rhea was great, but, I mean, no one really cares about Zelina or Kamala. Like you said, they have won a lot lately, though. So, to WWE's credit, they have made them look strong because they've won a lot lately. Um, Nikki Ash, I mean, is what it is. I just thought no one really cared about the match. It just really wasn't any juice to it. The heels winning, not surprised because there's literally nothing else going on in the tag team division. So, I mean, you gotta if you're going to keep featuring them, you got to have something important happening. So, I guess we'll have a tag team title match coming up soon, but the division's just dead, honestly. I was going to say, like, anyone even really cares, but do we see a title change happening here, or do the title stay on uh, Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash? Does it really matter? <laughs> now, the answer is no, but of the two, flip a coin, who wins? Carmella and Zelina. You think so, just for the sake of switching it up? I don't know. We'll, we'll just, see. It doesn't... Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I mean, I just feel like there's more in Rhea and Nikki Ash being on their own than Selena and Carmella. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So we'll see uh, where they go with it from here. I'm, I don't see Queen Zelina getting a title shot like as far as a Raw Women's opportunity, a Raw Women's Championship opportunity. So this is probably a better role for her, but we'll see what they do with it. 
Um, I do have a bone to pick with you in the Providence crowd. I really feel like you guys should have been more alive for the Finn Balor-Chad Gable match. It wasn't very long. I know people don't give a shit about Alpha Academy, but I thought this was a great match, and I want to get your two cents on it being in the building for it because I thought this was really good. I love the fucking finish, and um, I thought Gable killed it here. We don't really see a lot of him in singles action nowadays, but I thought he and Balor were surprised, not even surprisingly, but they worked very well together and had a very fun match with the five minutes this went for. No, I thought this was a good match. I feel like the crowd was into it. I mean... I think this. I think they're more in a fan. I mean, I don't think people care about Chad Gable, unfortunately, mm-hmm. just because he hasn't done a lot lately. But I thought this was a very well wrestled match. Uh, I, I mean, I had no problems with it. I thought it was like it had the right amount of time. It kind of had like a little. He like one back door. Otis almost came in. So I, I, I thought it, I thought it was well. I mean, was it the greatest match of all time? No, but it was like a nice, good TV match, and both guys shined, especially with the little amount of time they got. Yeah, no, I thought it was good, and it leaves the door open for a Finn Balor-Otis match as well, based off what we saw afterwards, so we'll see where they go with it. The Dirty Dogs and the Street Profits, I don't blame you guys for sitting on your hands for it, uh, just because as I texted you, it's a match we've seen a million times before, from one show to the other, I can't really say I care. I like the Profits, but the Dirty Dogs are just completely, they are the definition of a just-there tag team. Like, they are literally just there to, you know, I guess they won here, but... They're there to put other people over, and Ziggler just does nothing for me. I feel like Rude is being wasted in this role. Uh, I mean, stop me if you've heard this before, but I don't know. The match was just kind of there, and I know they're kind of furthering the RK Bro stuff, and they came out to ringside with a new theme song, which sounds great. Almost came out. AJ's kind of conspicuous by his absence right now. Not sure when he's going to be back. I fucking hate that we're getting more Almost and RK Bro shit. I thought we were done with that at Crown Jewel, but obviously not. I guess I should have thought better of that. Um, this was probably the weakest part of the entire show. The match was fine, but I can't say I or really anyone in the building, you know, according to you, really cared about this. As far as where it's going, too, I mean, maybe the profits against Arcade Bro, that kind of slightly intrigues me. Um, but the Dirty Dogs and the Dirty Dogs involvement in all this just does absolutely nothing for me. Yeah, I honestly felt bad for the Street Profits and Dirty Dogs. I'm not as against the Dirty Dogs as you are, but once RK Bro came out, the crowd literally could care too less about either teams, unfortunately. Um, I don't know how well it came across on TV, but the Let's Go Randy or, or We Want Randy, We Want Riddle chants were fucking deafening. So they were chanting um, We Want Randy. I was I was wondering what you guys were chanting, because at one point it sounded like We Want Tables or something, so I was curious. No, We Want Randy, We Want Riddle was like deafening loud. Throughout the entire match, I felt honestly bad for the guys. Um, and then they wanted RKO, and then he didn't do anything. And he like teased like he was going to do something, and he didn't do shit. So the crowd was pretty pissed about that. But it was a fine match, but no one cared. And I kind of felt like once they brought RK Bro, that's what really made people not care because all they wanted to do was see Randy and, and Riddle. Yeah, the aftermath was weird because. Riddle got attacked by Omos, but then they didn't have Orton make the save. He just kind of stood there yelling at him, and I feel like they transitioned away from it way too quickly. Like, the whole thing was just bizarre to me. Yeah, it was weird. Like, watching the live, it was definitely weird. Like, Riddle, like, went over their tag, almost got beat up, and then, like, Randy was like, he's not going to do it, and then he ripped his jacket off like he was going to go, and he starts moving over to where, like, the entrance away where the ring was, where the other guys were, and then all of a sudden they just, like, literally, I don't know if they had cut away from it or what, but... At the in the in the arena, they literally just like went black, and then they just like went on to the next thing. Yeah, it was just weird. So I don't know the tag team division. I like RK Bro in, the, in this role, and I'm glad they're still the champions. But the fact that Styles and Omos are still together, or at least in the tag team title picture, doesn't do a lot for me at all. They really got to move on from that shit. 
A match that really surprised me on the show is Damian Priest and T-Bar. I hate even calling him that, but the former Dominic Dijakovic in a no-disqualification match. Non-title, but I thought they killed it, and this kind of felt like a match that we would see in NXT in the type of match they were capable of at that point. They definitely have had in the past. Because uh, both guys are really talented, and uh, they got some time. They made the most of the stipulation, and Priest went over strong. And To me, it sounded like for a match that started off fairly quiet as far as your guys' reaction, that you guys were into it by the end and Damian Priest was really over. So uh, kind of go into that a little bit. Yeah, I thought this was a great match. I think that just the whole T-Bar stuff is like what makes people just not care. I mean, just make the guy fucking Dominic Dijakovic. Like, the stupid name definitely doesn't help. I feel like he's a good wrestler, and the name alone would help him a lot, especially with the crowd. I feel like people would just care more or even want to boo him more. I just feel like the stupid gimmick's terrible. Priest, I didn't even know he had new music, so I was like, whoa, who's this? But I actually liked it, um, but the match itself was good. Like you said, I think at first it kind of took a little bit of time to get into it, but once once it started going, uh, people cared a lot, and I mean, it was great to see Priest win. So yeah. I think it was more people just don't love the whole T-Bar stuff, so it kind of kept the crowd quiet for a little bit, but by the end, everyone was excited. Yeah, they put in the hard work, and I thought they had a good match, but... <clears throat> the T-Bar stuff is just terrible. With, with Priest, no more Archer of Infamy. No more of the, uh, you know, flying or the bow and arrow that's on fire or whatever. Yeah, I don't mind. I like the new one. It's like half Satan, half God kind of thing that they have on the Jumbotron. I actually don't mind that. I think the problem with it for me is that they, it just kind of came out of nowhere. It's not like, because he was more aggressive towards the end, and they're kind of doing this gimmick now where he loses his mind and whatever, and, you know, I get that, but... I don't know, I feel like they should have waited to do that until after he lost the championship or something, because I feel like to do it in the middle of his run, where there really wasn't anything that changed with his character, just kind of came out of nowhere, but that's just me nitpicking. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has been more aggressive, it does kind of seem kind of out of nowhere, but there is kind of somewhat of a small character tweak there, so it makes a little sense, but like you said, it should have came after he lost the belt, it would make more sense for him to get more mad and aggressive but yeah, yeah i don't have a problem with it no it's it's not the worst thing in the world at least he's still you know undefeated and still champion so it could be a lot worse um kevin owens is teasing a heel turn though based on what we saw in the main event losing to Big E in a quality match uh rollins did attempt to interfere or actually he did interfere and owens attempted to capitalize on it before it being kind of thrown back in his face it backfired Big E won then Big E was um you know, uh, kind of upset about the fact that Owens saw Rollins interfere. He took advantage of it. I'm not really sure what Biggie would have expected him to do. Like, does he expect him to give up the match? Or, I mean, I don't know. It was weird. Maybe, I don't know if he thought that he was orchestrating with Rollins to kind of make that happen or whatever. It was just bizarre. And then Owens apologized for it. He said he's not that person anymore. And then Biggie didn't care and then laid him out anyway. So I liked the match, but the post match stuff was weird to me because it feels like, you know, Owens, maybe he is turning heel. But then why would you have Biggie attack Owens, though? Because isn't he supposed to be like the babyface that believes everyone and wants to see the good in people? He didn't exactly do that with Owens here. So it kind of made Biggie look like an asshole for doing that. I thought that whole post-match thing was just weird to me. But the match itself, I thought, was well-wrestled and, and, and enjoyable. Definitely a good main event. I thought the match was well for their first time together. They wrestled well, so I can't complain there. Uh, Biggie going over, I mean, obviously. I mean, I don't think that... The outcome was ever in doubt, but uh, the, the post-match stuff, like you said, was very bizarre. Um, Big East, like you said, supposed to be the babyface, supposed to be the one to not let us cool. I don't even know why. Like, I really don't understand why he was mad. Like, what do you like you said? What do you expect them to just give the match up? Oh, the guy got so he's just to stand there. I don't know. 
I just yeah, thought exactly. it was weird, and it like made Biggie look like an asshole, like you said, because Owens was like apologizing for it, and then Biggie just laid him out. It was kind of weird, honestly. Yeah, it was weird. So, do we think this leads to an Owens heel turn? Because even if he loses, I mean, it, it's pretty obvious that he's on his way out. I mean, even if he, if he even if he does leave, at least it's pretty obvious that he's uh, you know, gonna probably lose a lot on his way out. Is he gonna turn heel before then? You think, or what's the end game here? You think? Mm, I don't know. I mean, you're leaving in January. It doesn't really matter, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter what they do before. Then I think they might try it just because he is a better heel than a face, although he is fairly popular still. Um, it doesn't really matter either way, but it is interesting. So overall, I thought this was a very good Raw, at least by recent Raw standards. It won't go down as the greatest of all time, but as far as how, given how bad and abysmal the show has been lately, I'll take a good Raw whenever we can get it. And I thought this was uh, one of the better shows I've seen in a while. So any other news or notes from the live event experience being there in person that we haven't discussed yet? No, it was a good show. I thought, like, for Raw, especially Raw standards lately, it was probably one of the better shows we've had in a while. Um, we didn't get Pyro, though. I was kind of pissed about that. Interesting. Uh, the only Pyro we got was from Rollins' entrance and Rhea Ripley, which is the stomp. That was mm -hmm. all we got. Hmm. But the, I, I was wondering where the Almighty was. We got no Almighty, no Bearcat. I mean, <laughs> I was a little surprised. I mean, we're, get, we're getting Veer Mahan in a couple of weeks. Can't wait for that to flop. But besides that... <laughs> Um, I thought it was a good show. It's like I said, especially with no Bobby Lashley. I mean, Bearcat wasn't there either. So I thought even without all their big-time players, they were still an enjoyable show. Yeah, the Bearcat shit is pretty inconsistent because he's been on Raw a few times, and then he'll disappear, and then he'll come back, and then he'll disappear again. Bobby Lashley I was expecting because they put out a... He tweeted or he put out an update or whatever. It was coming out of Crown Jewel. He said, when I come back, I'll be better than ever. So I think they're giving him time off. I don't think he's hurt. But I think they wrote him out of storylines for the time being until after Survivor Series or whenever. I'm not exactly sure when they're bringing him back. But I know that's intentional. I know he wasn't supposed to be on the show. He hasn't been on the show since uh, before Crown Jewel. Um, the Bearcat stuff was interesting because you know he was on last week's show. They're trying to push him. Carrying Cross is completely persona non grata. I mean, that guy. I you would I would be shocked if people even remember that he still had a job in this company. I mean, I forgot he was employed until he just said it. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't make the main event taping. No, that was Jackson Riker versus uh, Cedric Alexander. Completely random. Um, you had that, and then Liv Morgan versus Tamina, right? Mm-hmm. Which wasn't terrible. It was fine. It was fine. Okay, well, I look forward to watching it and uh, seeing whether you were right or not. But, yeah, no, I thought this was a very good Raw, and hopefully uh, it bodes well for the return to Providence. In May of next year, May 8th, 2022, WWE returning to Providence for a pay-per-view, which hopefully we'll be there in attendance for. I mean, you live right there, so there's no way we can't go. And as I mentioned, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'll actually be at the Dunkin' Donuts Center on Sunday for the Rhode Island Comic-Con thing, so I hope to see you in the area since you're right there. But, um, yeah, no, I love the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that I was there for my first ever Raw, not Raw, my first ever SmackDown taping. 12 years ago yesterday. So it's like, it's it's the exact same anniversary of when you were there on Monday. Um, I mean, we're going to a lot of shows going forward. So I, I'm thinking to myself like a couple of months ago, there's a lot of shows coming up. I'm like, which ones do I not go to? Um, this one I didn't really have a lot of intention to go to because Raw's been so fucking bad lately. I was going to say, Raw usually is very missable. <laughs> and then I don't go and it ends up being a good show. So I'm like, come on, man, what the fuck? Because I'm sure the next time we go, the next time I'm there, it's going to be uh, the wedding show all over again, the final one from 2019. That show was pretty bad. That show is abysmal. 
Uh, let's get into NXT from Tuesday real quick. Not not you know full on in depth review here. There really isn't a lot to talk about. It was the fallout, the follow up from Halloween Havoc the week before. Um, you know we'll just talk about the highlights here. But Dakota Kai uh, beating Cora Jade in a good little match. Dakota Kai teasing this new like psycho character. Um, she's even darker than she was before. It reminds me of Io Shirai after she turned heel a few years ago. Um, Raquel Gonzalez was not on this show, but clearly they're building to a rematch between Dakota and Raquel at some point. Um, your thoughts or your take on the new Dakota Kai, Dakota Kai 2.0, 3.0, whatever you want to call it, and uh, how she kind of came across after the match and attempting to attack Cora Jade, but not really following through with that. That was a fine match. I mean, it was a little sloppy at points. Love Cora Jade, but definitely needs more work in the ring. I feel like all the mess-ups are probably on her end. Uh, Kai winning, I mean, made sense. I just, I don't know, I wouldn't have Jade lose, like, I feel like they were just building her up, and then she just loses right away. Mm-hmm. Not like she wasn't too competitive anyways, but, yeah, it seems like the direction they're going is Raquel and Dakota. I mean, I guess she has a new character. Like, I don't know, like, she still, like, had pink hair before, like, Wearing the same gear, all she has is a fucking extra eye. Her music's the same, besides like a screaming in the beginning. So, <laughs> yeah, so they added this. It's like Lars Sullivan all over again. Oh God, who? <laughs> so I thought it was fine. I mean, I, I feel like she's fine. Like you don't need to like you don't need to change her. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like as a baby face, she's like a great plucky like. On she's like a nice plucky like baby face, and as a heel, she can be like a bitch. I like. I really don't understand what, what what they had to really change about her, but I, I guess throwing an X through her face and screaming, adding to her entrance is going to make her such a better wrestler now. I think she should go back to being a babyface. We've talked about this before, but I think if they were going to bring her back to NXT at all, and we've said this before again, this is nothing new, but especially now that Mandy Rose is the new champion, they should have brought her back as a babyface to rival Mandy Rose. Because like doing the Raquel match again is fine. The first match was really good to take over a few months ago. And if you look at that show, holy shit, what a fucking waste of an event that was. Literally most of the matches at TakeOver 36, it's like they never even happened. The main event of that show, Samoa Joe beating Karrion Cross, and neither guy is even on TV right now. I mean, see, that was literally three months ago, and the show is completely irrelevant. But we did add Dakota Kai and Raquel on that show having a very good match. Maybe Dakota gets her win back, but even then, what do you do with her? Because she's done all that she can do in NXT, short of becoming champion, like a singles champion, which I don't see her doing anyway. So, I don't know. We'll see where they go with it. But it is an interesting take on her new uh, on her new persona. Um, Zion Quinn, I've been enjoying the slow build. He's been getting at this, as this, like, quiet badass in NXT. Um, but then they kind of did this dance-off shit with Robert Stone, which was, uh, I don't know, I thought it was entertaining. But I'm thinking, like, why are they having this guy out there singing Shawn Michaels' theme song? It was a complete 180 from what they were doing with him before. So, maybe it was their thing, like, oh, you got to show more personality, kid. And they had him fucking out there singing and dancing like a moron. Um, I'm curious what you thought about this because we haven't really talked a lot, a lot about Zion Quinn up to this point. I fast forwarded. I couldn't watch the ship. Couldn't watch the dance off. Why not? Oh, I thought it was a Brutus Clean Sweet Tea, and I had to, I had to fast forward. <laughs> NXT 2.0, baby. That's what it's all about. Uh, Braun Breaker oh. teasing a rematch with uh, Tommaso Ciampa following win over Andre Chase. Do you think we're going to get Breaker and Ciampa too at some point down the road? Because I think that'd be, honestly, I think it would make more sense that Breaker lost last week if they are building to a rematch down the road. And it's going to mean even more when he does win because they waited to do it. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, I mean, I was shocked that he didn't win, but I mean, they, they need to have him maybe go through a little, show a little resiliency, like loss, and then he's going to come back and win. So, um, 
I thought he looked good here. I love his finisher. I mean, it's so simple, but I love the overhead press into the slam. I think it just looks great. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's the guy. He is the one to be the one to beat the one. So, <laughs> I mean, I think he's definitely the, should be the face of NXT 2.0, and I, I think he should be be the one to beat Champa. Yeah, whether it be at their next rumored takeover in a month from now or whenever it might be. But, uh, yeah, no, I would like to see it as well. The main event on the show saw Carmelo, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams beat uh, Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis in tag team action. Only after Hayes, there a lot of different seeds being planted here. It was like a full-on garden. So we had the tease for Carmelo and Johnny in the match itself. Carmelo pinned Dexter. So that leaves the door open for Johnny and Carmelo one-on-one at another point. They had Carmelo confront Johnny, or rather Tommaso Ciampa right before this. So I don't know if they're planting the seeds for a future winner-take-all match or what, but that was interesting. And then one, when Ciampa was leaving, out comes Johnny, and they teased, I don't know if it was supposed to tease something or just playing off their history, but the first two, those two have even come close to interacting since their big blow-off match, if you can even call it, that, that cinematic thing they had last year, in April of 2020, at the beginning of the pandemic, between uh, Gargano and Ciampa. So any takeaways from the ending of this show with all the various teases that are going on here with these three or four men? More seeds planted than in my garden that I don't have. Holy <laughs> smoke. But, uh, no, I thought it was good. I like Hayes a lot. I feel like he might be the guy that maybe they're the one. They Maybe he's the guy that they really like more than Braun Breaker. But I, I still think Hayes is in a good spot where he's North American champion. He can build himself up. I do think Breaker is the one to beat Champa. So maybe it's just maybe they'll face somewhere down the line, so that's where the tease was, or just kind of getting them in there with the big star, kind of make them seem like a bigger deal, so you could do that as well. The Johnny and Champa stuff, I think that was just more like kind of playing off old times. I, I mean, I don't want to see uh, their face off another hundred times, so I hope it was just kind of like, oh, like playing off their old history, but I thought the match itself was good. Hayes winning was what needed to happen. I feel like he is a star. Not a huge trick guy, but maybe he'll grow on me a little bit more. But I think Hayes is one of the guys that's definitely uh, breaking out in NXT 2.0. And I can I can see why, because he's a really good athlete. And I, I think his persona is great. And I think they've hit a home run with him so far. Yeah, he's been one of their brightest prospects. I'm looking forward to seeing um, you know, what, how they continue to develop him from here. But we've got to talk about the biggest story on the NXT front before we get into Dynamite from Wednesday, which kind of ties into that a little bit. Kyle O'Reilly per PW Insider contract coming up next month. It's November as we speak right now. Apparently, it expires the very end of December, so probably December 31st if I had to take a guess. Um, and he is a free agent by January 1st. So this made the rounds before Dynamite last night. Uh, again, like I said, PW Insider breaking the news. Is there really any question here as to where, as to whether he should leave or not? Because this to me feels like the Adam Cole situation all over again. I know you were more of the mindset maybe he should stay give it a shot, which, you know, I understand to an extent. I feel like Kyle O'Reilly, it's even a more obvious outcome here. Not that he will leave, but rather that he should leave in the sense that at least if Adam Cole stayed, I do agree with you or with what we were talking about a couple of months ago. He had at least a decent shot at success on the main roster just because he is a bigger star. He's a great talker, a great athlete. Kyle O'Reilly is great too. I don't think this company sees him as a big star. The only place where he was going to become a you know a top champion was in NXT, and they clearly have not focused on him at all in NXT 2.0. Any character arc he had of becoming NXT champion and kind of avenging those losses to Finn Balor from earlier this year, 
amounted to nothing because after he beat Cole and had that huge win, the biggest win of his career, he went on a team with, let me check my notes here, Von Wagner. And it's gone literally nowhere since they lost a fucking Legato del Fantasma on the show. So that tells me they're going to probably stick them together for the foreseeable future. No sign of uh, O'Reilly being built up for a future NXT title shot. I think that ship sailed a while ago. So if I'm O'Reilly, I'm getting the fuck out of there and at least going to AEW. And listen, I like O'Reilly. I think we're both kind of on the same page where I think O'Reilly is very good. Um, You know, some people trying to tell me he's a great single star. They should focus on him more. It depends what we're talking about here, dude. I don't think he's getting the singles push anymore in NXT. I think those days have come and gone in the new NXT. He ain't getting that push. He sure as hell is not getting pushed on the main roster. And in AEW, he doesn't need a singles push. I'd rather see him. I think there's some people that are just better suited as tag team guys. He, to me, is that guy. And I think in AEW, they have such a rich tag team division. And I don't think they would get lost in the shuffle because it's Red Dragon. Um, Especially with Cole being there, you can play off of that. Maybe you reunite them at some point. That would be fucking sexy. To me, I, I tweeted this last night, dude, but I really do not see any situation, any scenario as to why O'Reilly should stay. Can you convince me otherwise, or are you on the same uh, page as me on this? I mean, he... I still don't think Cole should have left. I mean, I'm still on that boat. I think the only thing that makes it more, I guess, worth leaving is they realistically should have called them up as a group. Once they started breaking them all off, I figured it was going to fall apart, and that's basically what he did for every member but Cole, and then he left. So, I, I mean, I like Kyle O'Reilly, but I don't see him as this big breakout single star that people might think he is. Um, Von Wagner's fucking terrible. I actually hadn't seen him work, really. Watched the match the other night, I'm like, this guy is not good. <laughs> um, and O'Reilly, I don't know why the hell O'Reilly would want to stay to work with him, because it just doesn't do anything. It's not, I just don't think there's any future for him. I feel like he's one of those veterans that's still there, and he'll probably be working more mentoring or putting people over than actually like winning. So I would leave if I was him. I just now looking back, I just feel like they really screwed the pooch on the whole undisputed era. They should have called them up as a group. I understand the pandemic happened; there wouldn't have been no reaction. But I mean, if you called them up and treated them well, I think all four guys still would be in the company, and they'd be at a at a top level right now. And two of them are gone, and. I mean, I like the Diamond Mine stuff, but I feel like Roddy's a group guy, too. Like, he's not the greatest singles guy, so he kind of needs the group. And Kyle, I feel like he's a tag team guy as well. So, uh, if I was Kyle, I would definitely leave. Yeah, it's amazing to think, dude, not even one year ago, not even one full 365 days ago, did we have a War Games event with those four men in it um, winning the match, actually. Cole, Strong, O'Reilly, Fish beating, who was it, uh... Pete Dunn, who haven't we haven't seen on the show in at least a week or two. I don't know what happened to him. He just re-signed and he hasn't been on the show lately. So maybe I don't know if it, I don't think he made the wrong choice, but that's just weird. Um, they beat Pete Dunn, Lorkin, and Birch, who aren't even on the show anymore. They broke away from Pete. They got you know betrayed by Pete, and we haven't seen them since. They're probably on the chopping block. And then who was the fourth guy? In the, oh, McAfee, obviously. Pat, Pat McAfee. McAfee. He's yeah, on SmackDown. Yeah. I was going to say he's on SmackDown. I was, so was Ridge Holland. I was going to say Ridge Holland was in that match, but that was after he got hurt and he got called up. So, I don't know. It's just in a complete disarray right now. It's amazing how much a year, how much can change in a year, and specifically with those four guys. I don't want to go so far as to say is that it would have been a slam dunk with Undisputed Air on the main roster. I've always said there was more of a chance that they would fail than succeed, just given how Vince views people like that, like Cole and people on the smaller side. But I've always said it's worth the shot, though. It's worth the shot. I would have always preferred them staying as a unit and going to Raw or SmackDown than breaking up an NXT 
In doing what? Because a lot of these guys, like a guy like Strong has done everything in NXT. So he's got Diamond Mine now. He's doing great work now with that group. But beyond that, Cole has been champion a million times. Why would he stay O'Reilly when he broke off from them beyond becoming NXT champion, which I think was a possibility maybe a couple of months ago, which I don't see happening now. That He was kind of fucked. Fish was fucked. They fired him. I don't know. I think it's starting to make more sense now as to why Fish is being featured more prominently in AEW because they might have an idea that O'Reilly's on his way in. So... I, I honestly think, dude, by early 2020 or 2022, there's a good chance we can get the original Undisputed Era in AEW, which is honestly very sad considering the beginning of this whole war. I don't know if you want to call it that, which it's not. But between NXT and AEW, the Undisputed Era were the best thing going in NXT. And within the span of two years, two and a half years, that entire group, or most of it anyway, might be in AEW. That, that's a pretty sad stat in my opinion. No, it's not good. I mean, I just feel like they went in a total different direction, and now they're focusing on young guys, and I like them three guys. So I just feel like they're on the older side. So at least, I know Fish is in his 40s. I'm not sure about O'Reilly. I think he might be a little bit. I know Cole's not the oldest, but I think O'Reilly might be in his mid-30s. I know Fish is in his 40s, so I can see why he want to maybe step away from them, but I just feel like they were such a slam dunk, and... <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like they, like you said, they screwed the pooch on it. They should have went with them and at least try it out. We'll like, at least give it a gentleman's try. They didn't even do that. So, yeah, I would love to know the full story behind that though, because O'Reilly or rather Cole has done a lot of interviews talking about undisputed era. Fish has talked a lot about undisputed era since his release from the company in various interviews. I would love to know, though, from their standpoint, or maybe they don't even know. Maybe it's a Triple H question, which he would never answer publicly. I would love to know if it was a WWE thing where they didn't want them on the main roster or if Triple H really wanted to keep all four of them. Like, what would you chalk it up to? Do you think it was their decision to stay? I mean, I've spoken to all of them, and they all sounded like they would want to go to the main roster as a group. So I don't think that's it. I think it's more of the fact that maybe Triple H tried to keep them or Vince just didn't want them in the main roster, which I find incredibly hard to believe because if he if he sees money being printed in NXT with a certain group, I mean, they call the fucking sanity. So why wouldn't they call up Undisputed Era? That's my question. I don't know. I just I feel like maybe they were waiting. They were going to call them up, but then the whole pandemic happened. They didn't want to call them out without yeah, yeah. a crowd. Then they kind of really weren't doing anything. Then they broke them up. Once you broke them up, they were fucked at that point, so... Yeah, it's just, it's sad, because I really think, uh, maybe we'll see them rekindle that success. I, I guarantee you, Tony Khan's not a moron. They would bring them back together at some point in AEW, at some point down the road. O'Reilly and Cole follow each other to whatever company they go to, whether it be New Japan, or Ring of Honor, or NXT, and now AEW, so I'm almost positive we're going to see that at some point, and uh, I think it's for the better. I'm not one of these people like, oh, this person should go to AEW, like every person. Like, certain people make sense. Owens makes sense to me. O'Reilly makes sense. And I was not clamoring for Tony Nese to get signed. He got signed by AEW. So I think if O'Reilly were to go, though, he's a tag team guy. Like, I don't really care to see him facing Sammy for the TNT title, which would be awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I don't really see him getting a singles push. I feel like it would be men of the year 2.0. Like, they brought in Ethan Page with absolutely nothing to do for him. So they put him in a fucking tag team in Scorpio Sky. I don't think that... I mean, at least that was a random tag team. This is a more of a tag team that's established. And I think them against the Bucks again and... The elite and other teams and then AEW, I think, would be a lot of fun. So I think the writing is on the wall for O'Reilly, and I feel like even more so than Cole, if he were to stay, 
the guy only has himself to blame for what is to happen to him from there, which I don't think would be very good. I feel like it's going to be more Von Wagner shit, more tag team stuff with him, and God, you know, God knows what else they would have in mind for O'Reilly in WWE if he were to stay in NXT. So speaking of AEW, let's get right into it from last night. Not again, not a full-on review, because I thought it was a good show though. Uh, we had Kenny Omega beating Allen Angels one-on-one, building to the Hangman match of full gear. I don't know about you, but I feel like this is what we should have saw last week is uh, Paige cutting that short and sweet promo, building to the match at full gear, getting a great reaction, a more serious Omega, a complete disconnect from last week and all the goofy haha bullshit. This is what I feel like we should have been getting more of going into full gear. Definitely. I mean, if you're building into this match, it's probably one of the biggest matches right now, especially with Hangman Omega 2 here. I mean, I felt like when you go like through the package, are, you, I'm, are they just going to... They're just going to skip the proton packs and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. I mean, you can't have the serious thing and then throw that ha-ha in there. So we'll see. I mean, I thought it was a good start. I mean, Omega being more serious, I feel like he's more serious than the other guys. So it definitely helps the feud. But um, this is what we probably should have gotten Boston instead. Yeah, just I, I wish we got more to this, not just last week in Boston, but just in general, because the pay-per-view's next Saturday, so we don't have a lot of time for more serious development. And that page promo a couple of weeks ago on the Saturday Dynamite was fantastic, but we haven't seen them interact at all really until the paper, you know, up until last week, and their first interaction in many months uh, was Omega, you know, being confronted by Paige in a fucking Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man costume. And I love the Ghostbusters. We've been over this, but I thought that was stupid. So. I agree. It's it's their biggest match they've probably have ever done with Hangman and Page or Hangman and uh, Omega. And like, imagine a Rock Austin, My Way or the Highway, you know, type video package from WrestleMania 17. Are they including that bullshit in there? Probably not. So yeah, I, I thought that was a major misstep. But at least they were back in the right track this week. Uh, I got to talk about the obvious here. The news breaking on Wednesday per Tony Khan that John Moxley entering an inpatient alcohol rehabilitation program, I think immediately, obviously, it wasn't on Dynamite this week, um, you know, taking matters into his own hands, I think this is, you know, a, a great step for him, I didn't know there was ever an issue, but, you know, he seems like a pretty private person, but, uh, no, I'm glad they're doing this, I'm glad they're not like, oh, you know, let's wait until after the pay-per-view, because it makes more sense storyline-wise, like, who cares, like, if he's got to take care of it now, he's got to take care of it now, it kind of threw things into a little disarray with the tournament, but, again, what does that even really matter in the long term? Um, but yeah, some shocking news on Wednesday with John Moxley. Hopefully he does come back better than ever. Um, at what point, we don't know for as long as it takes. But uh, yeah, all the best to him and Renee. So any thoughts on the announcement or in the fact that um, I, I, it's, it's amazing how dumb people can be on social media. Um, and you know, you and I were talking about the tournament and what can happen with that. And you know, that's a logical question to ask. But some people were like, oh, you find it very hard to believe that they would they would break the news now on the day that his book came out or the fucking... The World Series just ended. Why would they wait until, like, it just, you know, I don't think there was any malicious intent behind it. Like, it just worked out the way that it did. I don't think there's any grand conspiracy here, or it's a fucking work, because not everything is a work, people. Um, anyway, so any, any thoughts on this uh, developing situation as it stands right now? No, I'm glad that if he had a problem, he sought help, and it's the right thing to do, and, I mean, it's very, very strong and brave of him to do that, so... Not, not like nothing to not the guy about. I thought there was a right move for him, and I just now don't understand why they just didn't have Powerhouse beat Orange Cassidy. But I guess we're gonna go at Miro and and Daniel Bryan now. But uh, no, I, I mean I think he did what was right for him. I just feel like the booking was kind of should have been him versus Powerhouse anyways, and then yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it's it's unrelated to Powerhouse. Powerhouse should have won regardless. I mean, whether Moxley yeah, was in or not. Yeah, should have won regardless. Yeah. Should have won regardless. <laughs> I still don't get in retrospect why the fuck they did. We haven't even seen Powerhouse on the show since then. And that was two or three weeks ago. I don't know, man. I don't know. Team Taz. What, what the fuck happened to Ricky Starks? He's hurt. Is he? I thought so. <laughs> I don't even know anymore. If he is, I get, they don't have to tell us everything, but like, it is weird though. I feel like there's patches of time with this company where certain people will disappear for like two months. I'm not saying everyone needs to be on the show every week. It's, it's impossible with a two hour program, but I feel like they do it. Like they did the big blow up the cage and Ricky Starks and there's been no follow up with either guy since then. And that was almost a month ago. Like, I don't understand. Like, it just doesn't make a lot. Of, they're not even on the dark show. So, and they have rampage. I don't fucking know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but speaking of Moxley, we'll just talk about it here quickly. Um, because he had to pull out of the tournament, got replaced by Miro in the semifinals. No explanation as to why, but it doesn't really matter, I guess. Uh, Miro beating Orange Cassidy in the main event. Short, sweet, exactly what it needed to be. Right outcome, obviously. And we're getting Miro and Brian Danielson in the finals of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament at full gear. Not a slam dunk Brian wins. I mean, if Paige becomes champion, Miro could very well become the number one contender. Uh, I don't think he's going to win, but we'll see. But your thoughts on Miro being inserted, winning this match, and your expectations for Miro and Danielson at full gear next weekend? I thought this is the right outcome here. I mean, Miro should have won, or Powerhouse, or Moxley. Whoever was facing Orange Cassidy was the one that was going to win anyway. So, right outcome here. Not that I don't think it's not a slam dunk. I don't know. I just feel like Brian has to win. Unless he got screwed by someone else. So that's like the only way he could really do Like He would have to be cheated out of the law. So maybe someone helps Miro and then they just go in a separate. He goes after Hangman and you know, Brian someone in the interim. But, um, I mean, Brian shouldn't be losing at this point. So do you, what if Paige becomes champion? Do you do Paige and Brian Danielson then? Which I don't think is a bad idea. No, like I said, if 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 if, if you have Miro win, you just have Brian needs to be get fucked. He can't just lose. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. But let's no. say let's say Danielson wins, then we're doing Danielson and Page at some point. Yes. Or, well, I mean, Omega could win too. And you think you, you still have the mindset Omega's going to win? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll do our full predictions next week and see if it changes. But I'm going to I'm going to assume it's not. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it how it shakes out. But I'm looking forward to the match today. I think they had one match in WWE. Did Danielson and Miro? as Rusev, and it was a very good match. So um, hopefully this will be more of the same. And, and Danielson's been killing it at AEW as far as the in-ring stuff, so I have no doubt it's going to be a good match. Andrade El Idolo beating Cody Rhodes. Um, too much smoke and mirrors here, but I thought overall it was a good match. We didn't have Malachi Black come out or Pack or whatever, which was a little surprising, which was good. Uh, we don't need interference in every single match, but it was good, and it was it was what it needed to be with Andrade winning the match, as he, as he should have, to bounce back from the loss to Pack a couple of weeks ago. Um, any thoughts on the Andrade Cody Rhodes developing feud here between these guys and what we might get at full gear next weekend? I mean, it is what it is. I really don't care. Um, I don't know. I just feel like Cody's in such a weird. It's not even Andrade because I feel like he was kind of like misbooked at first, and now he's starting to get a push. But I just feel like Cody's so like directionless. They just keep thrusting him in things I just don't care about. So I don't know. You gonna do a rematch? Are we gonna do like Black and? And Andrade versus Cody and Pack, like, I guess, but it's not, like, really something I'm really clamoring for. Um, I feel like this match was more to set up Revival versus fucking Lucha Bros than just, like, anything else with Cody, so. Yeah. Speaking uh, of, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I was going to mention, well, two things. One, 
if they do the tag team match, it's going to be a lot of fun from an in-ring standpoint, but if there's no stakes, then it's really like, what's the point? It feels like a TV match. That's the problem. Yeah. But they could just, I mean, it seems like all two of the guys have beef against two of the other guys. I mean, you can just build up as that, but I mean, there's no real stakes at it, so it doesn't really matter. No, nah, it doesn't really matter. Um, the other thing I was going to mention, you mentioned FTR, the AAA World Tag Team Champions FTR. Uh, defending their AAA tag team titles on the show last night against Aerostar of Lucha Underground fame. I'm sure he's in, in, in AAA now, obviously, but I'm more familiar with him as you are from Lucha many years ago. And Samurai Del Sol, the former Kalisto from WWE. Uh, a perfect example of a guy where I think it's cool that they bring these people in for one-shots. They don't need to sign the guy, I don't think. He's a prime example of someone that would get lost in the shelf from the get-go, although I do think he's very talented. Um, I thought it was great to see him on uh, Dynamite, and they were flipping around, doing their lucha shit and whatever, which I'm sure not everyone's a fan of, and that's totally fine. What I liked about the match more than anything, and it wasn't the cleanest match by any means, but what I liked about it was the complete contrast of styles here, with uh, Del Sol and Aerostar doing the flippity doodah shit, and then FTR being you know the, the no-flips-just-fist-type guys, and uh, winning their match. Uh, clean as a sheet here, or no, I think I think one of them cheated, but you know, still, I liked the, the difference of styles and how well, or... You know, they work together, that chemistry. And I love the idea of FTR, the complete, you know, antithesis of luchador wrestling, lucha wrestling, being the AAA Tag Team Champions. I don't know how long this is going to last. I don't think the AAA Tag Team titles are going to be on the line of full gear. I think it's I think it's just for the AW World Tag Team titles. It's not winner-take-all as of now. And I think FTR being the Tag Team Champions in AAA for a little bit longer, I mean, I would have loved to have seen this with them in the NWA, but, you know, the AAA, I guess, is the next best thing. Um, I, I think it's cool, so I, I like the match for what it was. No, I thought it was a good match, like you said. Uh, Kalisto, Samurai, Soul. he's the perfect example of someone who's bringing for a one-off. Like, you don't need to sign him, just like you shouldn't have signed Tony Nese, but whatever. Um, but no, this is a great <laughs> match. It's funny that FTR is the AAA champions, and they're literally the farthest from Lucha as you can get. Um, but I think this could be a great match at full gear. It's probably one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most. So um, more FTR is better for me. Yeah, no, and I love I love any excuse to <clears throat> dine over here, but I love any excuse to hear their theme song as well. Love it, love the theme song. Very Midnight Express inspired, which was obviously intentional. Good stuff. Uh, Punk and Kingston, full gear. I mean, they're they're going face to face, having that promo exchange on Friday's uh, Rampage. I'm sure, very likely building to a match at full gear, right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. I I feel like I want Punk to have more of a direction, but. <clears throat> I, uh, I'm fine with the match. I think the promos would be good. I think the match would be fine, but I want more direction out of him. Well, I, I would like to see this turn into more of a feud beyond a two-week program. I think these guys can continue to feud coming out of the pay-per-view. That, that to me, would be more of a direction. Um, yeah. And then maybe establish that, you know, because he did mention in his promo on Wednesday, he goes, I would have been in the Eliminator if it wasn't for Eddie Kingston. So maybe he kind of has to get past Kingston to go focus on the World Championship because he's won a lot, so he should be in the top five rankings if he's not already, which I don't think he is. Um, but yeah, so I would, you know, have him beat Kingston to the pay-per-view and then maybe continue to feud. That would be more direction. And if not, give him a feud from there. So we'll see. Um, again, very likely we get Cole and Christian one-on-one or a six-man because we had Cage and the Jurassic Express attacking the super click on Wednesday. I, we've already seen the six-man, so I assume this leads to two different tag team or two different matches at the pay-per-view with Cole and Cage and then the Bucks and Jurassic Express is my guess. Sure. I mean, I don't really care about seeing Jurassic Did Express. Did we get the Bucks and Jurassic Express last full gear? Um, no, they Come did on, it. Use that, 
Use that savant memory. Let's go. I know. I know. I know that when they did it, they did it all out last year when we watched the show together. They did ah, it. They did it all oh, out last year, and then they did it just a few short months ago inside the cage. Right? Didn't they do it inside the cage a couple of weeks? Ago? No, 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 no. The, they, the cage match was the Bros in the Bucks at the pay per view, but they did do Jurassic Express in the Bucks on Dynamite like in August. So they were already getting to a point where they're repeating matches, and they're like, "Oh, we don't do it for WWE. We don't. We're not WWE. We don't repeat. Oh, you're you're fucking repeating shit." I think Christian and I think Christian and Cole is great. I don't really care to see the Bucks and Jurassic Express again. I'm sure it's gonna be a yeah. fine match, but you agree? I don't know. Yeah, I don't need to see the Bucks or Jurassic Express circa 15 time. <laughs> Especially if it's not for the titles. I mean, I know there's a feud at stake, but I can't really say I care. Speaking of which, uh, Inner Circle, American top team of the pay-per-view, they named the five members of who's going after uh, Inner Circle at the show. It's going to be Junior Dos Santos, Men of the Year, Andre Orlovsky, is that how you pronounce it? Yep. And Dan Lambert, which you had to see coming from a mile away. Um, it, it, you know, this was exactly what you would expect it to be. Lambert has a lot of heat. Him being in the match should be interesting. You know, it was a fine segment, but again, it's the whole faction war shit I can't really say I give two shits about. But, you know, I thought it, I thought the segment for what it was was well done. For what it was, it was fine. Please move on from this. I literally just don't care anymore. Yeah, it just doesn't do a lot for me personally. Jamie Hayter knocking out AJ <laughs> in the first round of the AWTNT, or TBS rather, Women's Championship Tournament. Any thoughts on the match? It was just kind of there. The match was fine. I was honestly shocked that AJ lost, but... Uh, yeah, I was surprised the match too. I, was fine, he, and yeah, the match was fine. Do you know who Jamie Hader faces in the next round? I don't remember. <sighs> that it, I guess it would make Riho, more sense. Maybe I don't even know. Did you say Riho? Is she even in the tournament? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't think she's in the tournament. Maybe Sheeta? I don't know. Um, let me just look real quick. There's no other baby face I can think of that she'd face. It must be Thunder a baby Rosa? face. So she beat Anna J. Oh, okay. That that okay. This makes sense. She beat Anna Jake. Is the next round she's facing Thunder Rosa? That's why. Told you. Yeah, they're doing Soho and Statlander, two baby faces on the other side of the bracket. I didn't think they would do Anna Jay and Thunder Rosa too, because you know Thunder is winning. You know Thunder is beating you know Jamie Hader too, but you know it makes sense. Um, I think that was about it from Dynamite. They also did. You know, the Darby Allen and MJF thing, I thought that was good. I didn't need to see Sting coming out with a million masked men, but I thought the actual brawl between MJF and Darby Allen was good, though. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a good segment. It's part of the match I'm looking forward to the ball, so. And I thought the John Silver promo just did not need to happen. I thought it was a fine promo, but the, all the mentions of the shit on being the elite was just completely stupid. I skipped a little Brutus on an upside for him. <laughs> Too much haha. let's put it that way. I just don't care about, like, anything that's on BT, I don't even watch. If it's, like, inside stuff, I don't even know what they're talking about. So that's the thing. I watch Being the Elite, and I enjoy the show, and I think it's entertaining, but the problem, and I think John Silver is great, too, but the problem is that they do too much of the ha-ha bullshit on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. They incorporate it way too much, because not everyone, let's put it this way. If Dynamite gets over a million viewers, or close to a million viewers, Being the Elite gets hundred to 300,000 people watching a week, and some of those are probably repeat people. That's not the entire audience. So why would you start making inside jokes that no one's going to get it except for a third of your audience? I think that's really stupid. Uh, that's what it is. <laughs> I know you completely agree, and I'm just I'm speaking to the choir here, but I'm preaching to the yeah, choir. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I just I'll let you go because I'm just that, that's how I feel too. Yeah, I don't know. Listen, I, I'm 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 a little more lenient. I like the dark order stuff, but it's the problem that to me that as you've said before and as we've discussed. 
They too much. They do too much of the fucking haha bullshit, and that's why it doesn't work. I thought their match that they had with the Elite over the summer, the ten man elimination, was fucking awesome. I thought that was one of my favorite matches all year, but because there was no fucking haha shit, they didn't focus too much on the oh let me dress dress up as a horse and all this other garbage. Um, anyway, again, you completely agree. I mean, there's nothing really to uh, debate here, but. Just, just kind of reinforcing what we've already talked about. But overall, I thought it was a good episode of Dynamite for what it was. Um, setting up a lot of stuff for Full Gear next weekend, which we will be previewing here on the show next Thursday. And the week after that, reviewing Full Gear and then previewing Survivor Series um, that weekend as well. So a lot to look forward to in the remainder of November, Mr. Marceau. New episodes of the show every single Thursday. WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show for new episodes every single Thursday. Mr. Marceau, you're on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Any parting thoughts before we ride off into the sunset here, brother? No, sir. I gotta go to work. Enjoy, brother. Got you out here right just in the nick of time, two minutes away. Yes, sir. Perfect, brother. Enjoy your day. I'll catch you, uh, catch you rest down the road. Later.